Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. It's time for the Pride episode. No, it's, what, but it's July now. What? What? No, I mean, we missed it by like uh, 19 days. I think it's, yeah, we're about oh. 19 days too late to do the Pride episode. No, We should have done but, one. That would have been good. No, we still need to do one. Okay. Oh, okay. Because, because... You don't have to have a month for us to talk about queerness. We could talk about queerness any month. That's true. <laughs> Cue music. Welcome to another fine episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am one of your queer hosts, Phil. And I am your other queer host, Senda. <laughs> That's us. I feel like there's a theme for today. I feel like there's a theme for today, too. I honestly do. And maybe that means I should just leap right into the uh, topic. But I think we actually have an announcement before we get there, which is that we will not be recording next weekend. So there will not be an episode next Wednesday, which Phil, I am sure right now is looking up the date for because being the professionals that we are, we forgot to put this part in the notes, um, but we wanted to warn you. Correct. It'll be the week of the 24th. There right. will not be an episode. There will not be an episode the week Correct. of the 24th. We will be back to our standard recording schedule again, of course, after that. It's just one of those life things. And let's be real, people. We record over the weekend and then we release it on Wednesday. We do not have a backlog and we don't work with a backlog. And that's fine. There have been times in our past when we did do that. It's just not where we are right now with life. No, so, and this one's and this one's on me. Um, I have my kiddos for a week and um it's going to have one, my very, uh, I don't want to say very small apartment. I think my apartment's reasonable size, yeah. but putting two kids into uh, two teenagers into my apartment will pretty much make it impossible to record. Yeah. I mean, I would say your apartment is a very reasonable size um, for one to two people. You will have three people in your apartment and then it's going to feel pretty small. Correct. And it will be hard to keep quiet because yes. my kids are loud. Yeah. Um, I love them, but they're loud. So anyway. We're not going to record because um, that is just one too many hectic things to have to deal with. And this will be much easier. So anyway, very well. Um, with that announcement out of the way, what is our topic? Awesome. The actual topic instead of the announcements. Good. So today's topic comes to us from uh, Tiffany at Chameleon Pro One, who asked us, hey, you two, I have a question for the show. As we get pride and many games targeted at queer gamers like Blue Rose or Thirsty Sword Lesbians, how do we convert queer culture into different genres? You could talk about one shots and campaigns, queer games to be old school about it. Um, I'm not talking about safety tools or queer players, but putting queerness into the stories that you tell. Cool. We feel like we can handle this topic. I feel like we can. Yeah. But. But. There is a but. Um, <laughs> there is a, right, in order for us to talk about putting uh, queerness or queer culture into games, um, we are going to have to define what that is. But first, we need to make a disclaimer. Yes. As, and this is one of those times that we have to call out um, that we are not personally experts in like overall queer culture, right? We are two queer people who have had our own individual journeys of queerness and coming into our queerness. So that journey and our own interpretations of queerness may not 
line up exactly with someone else's experience of queerness, right? So take your parts and leave the parts you don't like. Yep. And again, it should be noted, um, just we both went through um, our journeys later in life than many folks, uh, which definitely has an influence on how we experienced coming out. Um, and because of that, there are some parts um, that were easier, some parts that are harder, um, but it is a different kind of experience. Like my um, my journey is very different than somebody who came out at the age of 15 or my journey is very different than somebody who comes out now as opposed to somebody who came out in the 80s, the 90s, things like that. Yes. So yep. that is a big way of saying that while we will talk about queerness from our perspective, um, our definitions of queerness, queer culture are going to be defined by and limited by our own experiences. Yes. So take all of what that means is from this point on, <laughs> yes. take all of this with a <laughs> grain of salt. Um, we're doing our best. And of course, our intention here is as positive as possible. So I would like, we don't have to have people assume positive intent. We are telling you our intent. Our intent here is to be as positive as possible about this. Um, and we think we will do a competent job in doing so. But I'd like to put that disclaimer up because um, this is the kind of topic where somebody who is really well versed in queer culture would do like a um, would do a spectacular job on this. And this is a case where I think we feel comfortable enough talking about it from our perspective. But in no way are we claiming any kind of expertise here. I think the the key thing to this statement being um, queer people as a whole are not a monolith yeah. in the same way that every marginalized um, set of people is not a monolith. So we truly can only speak to ourselves and our experience. Um, and you should not take this as representative of every single queer person that you may ever meet. Um, and also the acknowledgement that our because of our differing experiences, um, what we say may not perfectly align with your experience of queer culture. Um, so as usual, this is a buffet. Take what you like, leave what you don't. Yeah. Anyway, with all of that okay. said, yeah, do you want yeah. to actually define what we're going to use for our definition? To talk yeah, we got to start, we got to start building up something yes. here, right? So let's, <laughs> let, let's get building um, because I think that's important, right? So here we go. Um, we're going to start with a, we're going to start with the Definition of queerness from the dictionary. The quality or characteristic of having a sexual or gender identity that does not correspond to the established ideas of sexuality and gender, especially heterosexual norms. Okay. Um, and in essence, this means like all forms of sexuality and all forms of gender identity, right? Yeah. Um, all of them. Just putting them on the table, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, boom. There we go. Okay, cool. Um, now, some elements that we identified in our experience of queerness include, and we broke them into positive and negative. Um, and why don't we just ping pong through them, right? So in terms sure. of positive, um, go ahead. Yeah. Start the first one. Acceptance, um, both of yourself and potentially by a group and of mm -hmm. others. Uh, the concept of found family. 
that's a big one. Right. Um, like the yeah. family that you, the family, the family that you make, not the family that you're given. Yes. Um, love, romance, and sex uh, is just something, is a theme that comes up a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, perseverance, determination. Mm-hmm. And pride. Hell yeah. Yeah. A little bit late, like 19 days late, but yeah, pride. <laughs> I mean, this is the nature of how we pick topics. It is, anyway. it is, it is, it is, it is. <laughs> anyway, um, some negative ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, rejection being one of them. Yep. Prejudice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the concept of the concept and theme of loss, and this can be um, this can be loss in a, a number of different ways. So this includes um, loss of people, right? Whether it's um, you know, depending on the time period, the AIDS crisis um, could be suicide, could be those kinds of things, could be uh, loss of your birth family. Um, loss of friends, things like that. But loss is also another um, negative theme. Mm -hmm. So for us, our queerness, and this is fun because we get to talk about it as as a unit (laughs) because we have some pretty similar ideas. Um, It also intersects with a few other areas um, that are just kind of hard for us to separate because they've been a very integral part of our personal experiences again. Um, So we are going to talk about those um, as well as we talk about um, queer culture and they are kink especially for this conversation um, power exchange um, and strong consent um, and polyamory as in differing relationship configurations right like the non-monogamy right yeah and what we mean by that is um, I mean first of all I just make the statement right Um, kink welcome at pride um yeah. Just put that right out there. But but two, um our own journeys um kind of coincide along with these concepts, right? These concepts are not inherently queer, kink and polyamory. But for us, they got kind of um caught up in the same snowball rolling down the mountain kind of thing. So for us, these are all like these three things are all kind of jammed up together. So really tangled. (laughs) Yeah. So the reason we call them out is you may be hearing us talk about certain things as we are talking about um, advice or examples and be thinking, well, that's not exactly queer. That's more poly or that's like more kink related. And you would be correct. Just that for us, that's how they get all this all gets tangled together. Yeah. And just to be clear, going forward for content warning purposes, we're not going to discuss anything um, kink, for example, um, in any depth or any graphicness. Um, So it's just going to be top level, you know, words. Um, But if that's going to be an issue for you, please consider this your off-ramp. We will catch you again in a couple of weeks. No harm, no foul. Sure, sure. Our future kink role-playing uh, <laughs> podcast. <laughs> come out come out in a few years. Oh, boy. <laughs> that's a different kind of role-playing. Yep. <laughs> Onward we go. Okay. Cool. All right. So having now talked about some themes we've defined what queerness is we've talked about kind of um how kink and polyamory get like um, jumbled into this for us let's talk about some elements just some general elements um that make up queerness that we could put into games yeah 
uh, this this is a fun list, right? Um, let me start out with diverse sexuality. So, of course, um, gay, lesbian, ace, pan, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on. Exactly. Yes. Uh, diverse genders, trans, non-binary, gender fluid, like mm-hmm. have like those are elements you can now have like you could use for characters. Yep. Um, degendering tasks activities and traits. Um, so like, um, the way that we think of painting nails on someone who is mask presenting is frequently thought of as like a queer thing and frequently is, and sometimes confusing when the person is not queer. (laughs) I mean, things like, um, like again, and these, we're now fighting societal constructs here, right? But things like um, housekeeping and cooking. Yeah, you cook um, a I lot. I personally, yeah, I personally not only cook a lot, but um, I am pretty into keeping a nice house. Yes, like, this is a, I, a a set of activities and traits that are generally in our current society considered to be feminine. Correct, right? and I am totally not. comfortable. Right, like I don't give a shit. Yeah. Um, I like having a very tidy place, so I do those. Anyway, yeah. um, moving on, um, found family. Again, yeah. going back to that, found family is an element you absolutely can put in. And found family is great in terms of the um, overlap with party structure. Yeah, it really is. Right? And it's, <laughs> that one is one of those themes that is so reoccurring, especially in um, positive portrayal of queerness in media. Um, whenever you find cozy queer stories, there's almost always found family in them. And in fact, the words found family in descriptions and reviews is one of the key signifiers that I look for to find queer books. Like, <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Okay, good. Um, what, what's next? Sorry, one? sorry. Yeah, I lost my train of thought because I was so excited thinking about Becky Chambers and stuff that I was like, woo! Um, discovery of self, right? Living your true self um, and, you know, having that journey of discovery as a story. Mm-hmm. Um, acceptance of self, acceptance of others, acceptance by others yeah. is a good, a good theme. Yes. Element. Yes. Uh, diverse attraction and romance, of course, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, diverse relationship structures, right? Going back to um, polyam, power exchange, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And then there are the negative ones that we discussed earlier as well. Um, but the thing about those is they may or may not be the kind of thing that you want to explore in the game because it's the kind of thing that many of us have um, potentially experienced in real life. And maybe that's not what you're looking for at the table. It might be, right? This might be a game where you said, I want to explore these themes. I want to explore rejection, prejudice, loss. Like that's the story we're looking for in a tragedy, cathartic kind of way or in an exploratory way, whatever it is. But um, if you're looking for escapism, you probably want to lean in a little bit harder on the positive elements of queerness that we just listed through. Yeah, and... and don't get us wrong. There are a lot of games, especially a lot by in, uh, about by indie developers, that tackle some of these um, harder topics. Yeah, yeah. Right? Some of the more negative themed. I don't want to say negative themed. Dark, like the harder ones, the, the harder more emotionally ones. ones. Yeah. But if you're looking for straight up escapism, and a lot of us nowadays are, I know that my taste in games has moved from. Um, 
heavy, like heavy emotional games to escapism games. If you're in the escapism place, that list that we just gave you above are like really positive elements that you can sprinkle into your game. Well, and it's even funny because I live for the drama and I live for the heavy emotions in games, but I don't particularly have an interest right now in experiencing rejection or prejudice in a game, right? Like that's not the drama and emotional response that I'm looking for. Um, I'm, I'm looking for, you know, um, (laughs) oh no, my lover has fallen in a pit and now we will never be together. Oh, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm not looking for, it would be harder for me to separate the game from personal feelings if I was experiencing um, that style of rejection and prejudice in a game, right? So, you know. Absolutely. And again, like like we said, it's not that there isn't space for negative ones. There absolutely are. But if you're going for escapism, it's going to be in the positive realm. Yeah. Okay. And cool, Um, which segues nicely into, um, before we start talking about some specific RPG advice, it is impossible for us to do that without us talking about our own queer game setting that you and I play our one in one one on one game in. Yeah, that's super queer. <laughs> right. So you probably have heard of us talk about it on the show, but we'll talk about it in a little depth right here. We have a Cortex Prime game that is called Long Live the Queen that is basically a mashup of sci-fi espionage. And a Katie Roberts novel. Yeah. Uh, you'll need to go Google that yourself. Um, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially maybe maybe look up specifically her, her Dark Olympus series. I feel like that is a pretty good... I feel good, like that's spot on. Yeah. Um, which is needless to say, it is a little sexy. Um, yes. <laughs> so when we built out this campaign world, um, and this campaign world actually drifted from an idea that I've been kicking around and playing around with for years. But when we drifted it into something for you and I to play, we were like, oh, we would like this setting to actually be queer. Yes. Like just across the board. Across the board. Because the initial setting was like a little queer. Yeah. And then it was like, no, no. Like we want to like turn the knob all the way up, right? Like this like turn one, it to a 10, right? This one goes to 11. <laughs> 100%, right? So um, so with that, we started building in our setting. And so I'll just try to give like a elevator pitch synopsis of this world. So it is 17th century France around the time of the Musketeers and a group of time travelers from this utopia in the future arrive in 17th century France. They're called Kronos and Kronos is a corporation that comes uh, into uh, the timeline and offers to trade technology for resources, things that are in the ground that like no one needs, like lithium and oil and things like that, Mm -hmm. um, and sends it all back to their utopian um, future. Uh, It gets a little more complicated in in terms of timelines and things like that. But uh, essentially, Kronos uh, is like the ultimate in um, colonizing like yeah. they are terrible, right? Yeah, like, they really do just come back, literally make a deal with the king in this particular part of the world. Yes. They have deals all over the place at this point. But, you know, they came back, they made a deal with King Louis, and then they said, give us all of your resources that you don't know that you need in the future. Um, and we will give you 
access to this technology. We will not teach you how to make it or right. how to it works. To be clear, works. they didn't ask which ones you won't need. They right. just take all of they them. They just take all of them. Like locusts. No, no. Yeah. But just saying the people of that time yes. period do not understand. Correct. They do not currently need them. Yet. Yes. <laughs> so the thing about Kronos is, though, Kronos comes from a utopia. So when they arrive, they're like, oh, but before we share all our technology with you, um, we're going to have to fix some stuff. Yeah. Like slavery. Mm-hmm. And we're like, like. We're going to have to also have uh, understanding of diverse sexualities and genders and all mm-hmm. of those things because they come from this utopia where like all of those things have already been um, dealt with. But they basically leverage their technology to get civilizations um, on board with this because that's who their people have to work with. Yes. And essentially don't want to work in a essentially a, a hostile, hostile work, work environment. environment. Yep. Right. So the end result is in our game, Paris is this modern metropolitan and exceedingly queer yes. city. Yes. Um so, and, you know, look, you know, we're world building. So we took some big brush strokes to take care of right. problems yes. like the church. And yes. We're just like, like yeah, that. okay, well, they're mad trust, about it, but whatever. Tr- right. Yeah. Trust us that, <laughs> trust us we are handling all of that. But the end result is Paris is this fantastically queer um, environment. In fact, um, the king is, um, the king and queen are in an open relationship. Um, the king is openly gay. Mm-hmm. Um um, and is taking his um, his newfound um, power and somewhat luxury now that Kronos is doing the heavy lifting for society. Yeah, exactly. He basically and doesn't have to living do anything. His best, he's <laughs> yeah. living his best life he's like possible. Partying every night until 2 a.m. and he's learned yeah. how to DJ. Um, yes. So, you know. <laughs> but it is, but it is a uh it is a setting where um characters um Characters are openly gay. Uh, there are diverse, um, diverse relationship structures. Uh, we kind of have a, um, we kind of, we have a rule that is kind of uh, assume pan. Yeah. The, the baseline assumption of any character that I meet is that they are pan until proven otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times it's pan, but with a preference. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's just like, how far does their Kinsey scale tilt? Right. Like, <laughs> correct. Whoop, like, whoop, whoop. like <laughs> but basically, like, the the key thing from a James Bond espionage perspective is it doesn't matter who I run into, I can seduce all of them. Yes. And I probably will. Yes. Like, just to be really clear, it's, it's a thing. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> a lot of what we're talking about. In terms of including elements and a lot of the advice we're going to give is going to kind of be born out of this setting that we created. And we rather enjoy this setting. Like this setting is actually quite a bit of fun for us. Great. Um, And I will just say this doesn't necessarily have to do with the queerness part of this, but I want to say it. One of the coolest parts of this setting is the really strange juxtaposition of like Kronos are the bad guys. Like they are, they're coming from the future and colonizing the past. And I am literally actively working against them, but they are also the reason that society is inclusive and has antibiotics and like, um, everything is clean and I have a cell phone, right? Like, so it's, it's really, there's a lot of weird, mushy, like, oh God, right? Like Like they have to go, right? They have to go. They have to. 
yeah, it is, it is clear that they are hundred percent the bad guy, but conversely, they like did some good things, but all yeah. like the rest of it's all bad. It's really right? bad. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. So there's, I just, there's I just no, wanted to make it 100% clear. They are the yeah. colonizers. They are the bad guys in this situation. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's no point in the game where we, uh, we downplay right the uh, that part that they're bad. Yeah. yeah. The only part that's really challenging about that is that if I ever succeed, like if we ever truly succeed in getting rid of them, then like which parts of culture and society like start disintegrating that we're being propped up by their technology. Right. Like I like to think in that setting that because everybody's been enlightened, those parts will probably persist. forward. The, the cultural parts will probably persist yes. forward. Yeah. That's yes. Anyway. Okay, good. Good. Um, yes. Having stated all of that, it's cool setting. If you wind up with further questions for us about Long Live the Queen, by all means, like send those to us or hit us up in Slack or something. We'll be happy to talk to you more about the actual setting or like how we actually run the game, whatever. Like yeah, we'll yeah. do it as a show or we'll do it privately or whatever. Like happy to talk about it. Um, but to get us back on track for this. Um, now that we've kind of established what our working example is for a queer setting, um, let's talk about what you can do to put queerness into your games by incorporating the elements we've been talking about. Um, and not only the ones we've been talking about, but elements that you also consider to be key to the queer experience. And I should preface this. We're talking to everybody like everybody is queer that's listening to this. <laughs> yeah. And so many of you are not. <laughs> yeah. So many okay. of you can just go off of our list. Sure. Like, yeah. It's fine. Yeah. You use our list. But also because we always answer these for the person who sent it in. So we're answering this for Tiffany. Like we're also like we're kind of talking to Tiffany too. So we're talking uh, like to somebody who's queer, but if you're not queer, feel free. Everything that we're saying here, you can also do in your games. Yeah. 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 Um, just in fact, we're going to give some tips about that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, the key thing is just to be aware of, um, and we'll, we'll have a, I know I have a little bit about this in notes later, but like, um, to make sure that you are approaching, um, the queerness as it exists in your culture from a positive perspective and not a negative perspective. Um, yep. You know, like, and I'm going to point it out when we get to it because I don't want to say it quite yet. Cool. So let's let's talk about <laughs> some example things that you, like examples of how you can take those elements we talked about above. And just because we've been chatting for a bit, I'm going to run through them really quickly. Mm -hmm. Diverse sexualities, diverse genders, degendering tasks, found family, discovery of self, acceptance of self, others or by others, diverse attraction and romance, diverse relationship structures. Right. Mm -hmm. How do you work those in? So uh, some of these are going to seem really clear now that we've just been back through that list, but we're going to say them out loud anyway, right? Make your characters. So firstly, characters, right? Make your characters diverse um, in their sexuality, in their gender, in how they approach or divide tasks or activities, in their relationships, in the things that they enjoy, in how they dress themselves, etc. right? Just blur the lines of what we consider to be normalization of gender, tasks, activities, sexuality in our current culture. You don't just toss it out the window. <laughs> yeah. And, and by characters, if you're a player, you can incorporate those kinds of elements into your character. Or um, if you are a GM, uh, you can do this with all of your NPCs. Yes, exactly. Yep. Okay. So cool. You see, you talked about characters yep. um, and relationships. I think you doubled up on both of Did those. Did I say relationship? No, I didn't you talk did. about. Oh, okay. 
I didn't think I talked about relationships. (laughs) In any case, the relationships between characters, PC or NPC, right? Um, Consider ones that are not mono or heteronormative, right? So they don't like, not everyone has to have just one partner. So consider um, poly relationships, queer relationships, consider uh, kinky relationships, things that are based on power dynamics, things like that, like very up relationships as well. Yes. Now I will say this. Okay. This is, I'm just going to editorialize for a moment. Sure. Here's your soapbox. No, (laughs) no, no, no. It's not a soapbox. It's more of a, let me explain. Like I have, I have my own challenges with these. Sure. As a person who was queer and stayed in the closet for a long time and didn't come out till later in life and spent a lot of time in, um, hetero society. I, to this day, even as a queer person who, like, I have to consciously, uh, when I'm making NPCs, consciously think about the um, diversity of sexuality, gender, and relationships. My base default, if I am brain off not thinking, is heteronormative. Like, I have not... Like I have not uncoupled that. Um, so it is a thing that I do. And sometimes if you've played a game with me, so my players will attest to this. I know Senda will attest to this. There are times where I will start making up an NPC and I will stop and I will either change the gender or change their sexuality or just something because I fell into my comfort zone and was going to just do the, you know, my wife, the male character said, right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then all of a sudden I'm like, mm, dope. Like quickie race. Try like, again. Yeah. My husband, <laughs> yeah. the male character said, ah, better. Okay. And mm-hmm. then move on. Right. Um, that is it, it. Look, I don't know how it is for other queer people. It is still a challenge for me. Um, I have to put some effort into actually making those changes. Yeah. I mean, I think Part of that is, and I know I'm skipping a thing ahead, but I want to talk about it here since we are talking about it, and I'll just shorten it later when I know it comes up again. Um, I think one of the things that we all have to be aware of, even as people who are queer, um, is that, and and more, this is less and less, right? And hopefully it will continue to be less, but it's still like a lot. Most of the media that we have consumed, especially if you're like over 20, um, all of the media that that you and I consumed, certainly as children and as young adults and in our 20s and really into our 30s, was really heteronormative. All of it was. That was the oh, yeah. only option. Other media did not exist. And then when other media started existing, you know, it was there was a lot of queer baiting. There was a lot of stuff with, um, you know, oh, there's a queer person, but they're the bad guy, um, which is bad you know, negative portrayals, like all of this kind of thing, right? So, so the part of the thing that we fall into, and we've talked about this with games before, is when we as GMs positively rely on tropes because they're an easy way to get everybody on the table on board because we have shared understanding of many styles of story tropes. The problem from a queer perspective is that many of those tropes that we have that shared understanding of, they're heteronormative. And so when you fall back on some of that storytelling knowledge that you've absorbed from all of the different stories you've, you know, just sucked into your brain during your lifetime, 
it can be hard to decouple the heteronormativity from the consumption of those tropes and stories to then turn it around at your table in a way that is not heteronormative, right? Like that's just a a, Mm -hmm. fact of our society in the sort of the years that we have been living and absorbing um, all of that stuff. So... Anyway. And that's not to say you can't have any straight characters in your game. Of course, no, of course you can have straight characters in your game. And I have and I have plenty of them. But as a kind of general thing, like every couple of NPCs, like change it up. There should right? be somebody queer. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, Sorry. That was a major so it, side note nah, from both of us. I think it's an, I think track. it's important. I think it's important <laughs> to bring up because it is. it is not a thing that, like I said, it's not a thing I can do automatically. It is a thing I have to do consciously. I'm happy to do it consciously. Yes. But sometimes I have to like remind myself. Easier when I'm prepping yes. than when I'm running on the fly. Yeah. Right. If I'm prepping a game, I can very easily look and be like, the last couple NPCs I've written, have I made them diverse enough? Have I made them, you know, like real people, that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's, no, let's let talk me, about... Co- let me actually say oh, one sorry, more thing about that, which is also, yeah. and this is just a funny thing, and it does have to do with my experience directly. It is easier to default to um, interesting and diverse queer choices for characters and relationships when you have um, a diversity of people sitting at your table. Right. Then if you are like, I know that everyone else I'm playing with right now is super straight in my experience, because um, because the immediate acceptance and understanding is, I don't know, more immediate. Yeah. I mean, when I'm prepping, it's not as big of a deal because right, I well, prep alone. Prepped, right. Yeah. Right. That's different. When I'm right. When I'm prepping, it's fine. I'm alone and I can check those things. And when I'm with everybody, sure. I, you know, the context of the situation I'm in. um, is definitely different. If I play with a lot of people who are queer, um, that I know are queer, right? Because we're sitting around the table. Um, then yes, like I am probably thinking, um, more queer. And now I think we're really talking about coding. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, that's true. I do think like, we're talking a little bit and about I, and a baseline I think you're code right. switch thing. Yeah. Right. And I'm, again, this is a place where I would love to bring an expert in, yeah. but, but I am sure and and again, I will defer to an expert on this, but I would love to talk to an expert about this. I think you're probably right that when you GM, you are you code your games to the table that you're playing. Yeah, because there have been things we have run. Um, and I can think of two specific examples. Tom, I came to your place mm-hmm. um, recently to play because um, you have a um, a pretty diverse group of players. Mm-hmm. And the other time was when we were at Metatopia playtesting. Um, Ditch Lilies. Yeah. And we were playing with a very oh, queer man. table. And it's supposed to be a really queer game. So like we and got, it's a really we queer got game the queer and people it, to play the queer game and it was great. <laughs> and it was, <laughs> it was and, right. So and it did what it was supposed to. So yeah, yeah, I think you bring up a good point that there's a certain amount of like coding, code switching, masking. I, I'm terrible at the terminology for this. Please don't beat me up on this. But yes, when I am playing at a group of all straight people, I fall into... Like more (laughs) straight thought, (laughs) right? And again, a lot for me because, and and again, to get personal for a moment, but I spent a lot of time in the closet. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time reading my context and thinking along those lines. Yes. So it is very much a trap for me um, because of that. Yeah. And that is to say that I also have a group 
Um, they are wonderful and they, they are supportive. They are great. Don't get me wrong. They really are. That was are not a dig staunch, at them at all. No, no. They are staunch yeah. allies, yes. right? They are staunch allies. Um, and I feel totally safe around them, but they are all straight. Yes. And I fall into straight thinking sometimes. Yes. Um, when that happens. So yeah. uh, that is an excellent point. Boy, I had not actually, that was not in our notes. No, that, that was, was one a, of those spontaneous yeah, things. That just, and it made sense though, right? Which is all the way to go back to saying you also might fall into that trap. Yes. Okay. I, I do sometimes too. It depends yeah. on who I'm running for, right? Which, which is why it's so much easier when I'm yeah. prepping. Yes. Because I'm not... I'm not context switching. I'm not coding, right? I'm yes. or masking. I am just me writing my games. Yes. Okay, cool. Cool. Okay. So on right. to the next thing, which is right, let's talk cultures. About, let's talk about cultures is another thing in a game where you can put some of these um, elements, right? So you can make cultures that are not based on heteronormative culture, right? Male, female relationships or marriage to one partner or marriage forever. You see this a lot of times. We'll talk about it in a little bit, but like sci-fi games. Yeah. Like, and not sci-fi games, sci-fi stories sci will often play around with this stuff yeah. a lot. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. Because it's science, <laughs> because they're, they're extrapolating changes kind of things. But you can also do this in your cultures. Yeah. Now, when you do this in your cultures, um, cause it's easy to pick a thing and be like, oh, um, my culture has never had a problem with anyone being queer. Cool. What does that mean in the culture? Yeah. Right. What changes? Um, yeah. What changes in the culture? What, what changes big and what changes small? Yeah. Right. Um, so like if your culture was based on queer polycules, for example, that like mm -hmm. that was actually the standard relationship. How would that change what their houses looked like and how their mm -hmm. houses were designed, right? Or, 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 you know, does it change not individual houses, but how neighborhoods are constructed so that you can have collections of polycules with individual houses for, you know, different sets of people? Um, how would it change parenting? How would it change child rearing? How would it change how you considered, um, you know, bringing new life? into a family and what do you consider to be a family right um I have a note to myself to just mention Becky Chambers in here because um she has written a really wonderful series of books um that starts with uh the long way to a small angry planet um that explores a lot of this with different um, alien cultures in a really wonderful, cozy, happy, queer way. And I would highly recommend that you read them as, um, for example, another way to get um, story tropes that are inherently queer and not inherently heteronormative. So this is me like consuming lots of queer tropes now, right? But Becky mm -hmm. Chambers, right? And if you had queer default polycule, how would it impact how they consider government? Because maybe it does, right? Maybe it means everything is a board. Maybe it means that everything is run, you, you get elected by groups of committed polycules. Or, um, you know, maybe it, it may impact their assumptions about their interpretation of the word love and how they express it. Um, it might change culturally how people view um, just physical touch. Right. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and space bubbles or lack of personal space bubbles. Right. Sure. Like, and how do they view physical intimacy? Right. Is it a commitment? Yep. Is it not a commitment? Um, that, I mean, there's just, there's so many points you can just, you can really start extrapolating. Right. I love the house one. 
but like you really start developing a very oh, different absolutely. culture, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, what's our next one? Uh, yeah. Um, groups and associations. Yep. Yes. Which is where we can have a conversation again about found family and caring and acceptance, right? found family themes are such a wonderful cozy theme of queer games and queer stories they make me so happy again refer to becky chambers please um and also like our traveling home (laughs) um makes me so happy yes yeah my um my current uh uh cyberpunk red uh campaign is uh based on a, a nomad tribe yeah and um that that's you know found family yeah, like these people is. have all come together under a banner uh to do stuff yeah so like that's actually one of the themes that we're we're playing with in the game is that you know here is a group of people who've come from a diverse uh number of locations and backgrounds but are coming together as family to do stuff yeah which is super cool uh next one uh which is not exclusively queer but romance, yeah, especially queer romance. Yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> to I be mean, clear, right? Yeah, if you have if you have heteronormative romance, that's that's fine. That's There's fine. nothing wrong with that's it, fine. right? But like, yes, if you There's want to queer wrong your with game, being straight. Yeah, like I don't know, like I don't know. It's when okay. Did you decide, I'll, I'll still when did love you, you to be straight? if you're yeah. straight. I'll still accept you if you're straight. Sure. Um, <laughs> move off that. <then>. <laughs> Oh anyway, um, <laughs> but romance also includes um, a couple of subtopics. Um, two of my favorites, uh, pan confusion, um, which is just when you're pan, like, are, are we, they your friends? Are you romantic? Do I have a crush on you? Do I just like Correct. you? Do I want to be you? I don't know. Correct. I have no uh, idea. <laughs> and my other favorite, uh, queer panic. Yeah. Uh, I just saw a really delightful um, song written by some uh, fantastic looking ladies on TikTok that was about, that's literally about like listing off all these things that a woman is doing and wearing or has tattooed or like her septum piercing and trying to read the signs to figure out if she's queer or if she's just a hipster. And it's really funny. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, queer panic. (laughs) As an aside, the best indication of whether you are queer or not the best test for whether you are queer or not is tiktok <laughs> oh it is yeah tiktok will know just start watching tiktok yeah you tiktok will know if with you your are likes yeah tiktok <laughs> will know if you are queer trans like they will know before you know yes it's yeah, yeah as long as you're honest with what you like <laughs> it will figure it out it's pretty funny um cool the next one and this is one um that uh, this is going to be, you know, within the boundaries that you establish for your game as safe, right? Um, And that's sex. And when I say that, I don't mean that that means that you have to graphically have sex at your table, right? It still may be a line or a veil. The question is, how do you treat sex at your table? Um, And from my personal queer perspective, (laughs) that means that there shouldn't be shame associated with sex as an activity, so if sure, you're very sex positive, right? right? Like if you're like, cool, they're going to go off and have sex. Awesome. And then the next morning they wake up and they come back to, you know, the fire or whatever. Right. Like that means that nobody's going like, ew, you, you, that means they're Correct. like, oh, awesome. Cool. Um, yeah. And potentially celebrated when appropriate. Right. Like, oh, awesome. You guys got together. Like that's, that's amazing. Yep. hundred percent. 
or really awkwardly, like in Becky Chambers' book, when the robot decides to just really congratulate his um, traveling companion, um, who is mortified. Because <laughs> the robot doesn't really understand that it's a very personal thing um, and comes waltzing in and says, congratulations on having sex. Um, and then they are like, um. <laughs> anyway. Exactly. Right All along. right. So Delightful. now, go. So we've gotten given some examples of how to like incorporate the the themes we were talking about, the elements we were talking about into specific parts of role playing games. Uh, next up, a few tips on how to incorporate these elements, and I think this is where we'll kind of draw into um, our long live the queen examples. So, uh, the first one is normalize them, right? Uh, not like just make queer normal part of the background of the game like it's not exceptional that a character is queer they just are yes. queer right and and it doesn't have to be just the um notable npcs right it could just literally be any background npc like doesn't even like it can just be we'll talk about um how you kind of introduce them but it could just be the person at the coffee shop Yep. could be queer kind of thing. And in our Long Live the Queen game, uh, that um, pan by default yeah. uh, is kind of our normalization of that, right? Like the default is unless somebody says, unless unless somebody says, unless a character says they're straight. Right. They're um, not. They're not. Yeah. Although to, we did recently. Date, I'm not aware of any straight characters I don't think we have actually had a single straight character in the game. There was a woman we ran into reasonably recently who was pretty strongly and specifically lesbian. I don't think she was yes. pan. I think she was straight lesbian. Yes, that is true. Yes, but but kind of, but it's one of those like, but pan until proven otherwise. <laughs> and yeah. no, I don't think we've encountered a single straight person unless Mateo is... We haven't established yeah, anything say. for him, so I'm just assuming he's pan. Never anyway. said he wasn't. So, so yeah. <laughs> Could be. Maybe. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, Moving right along. <laughs> yeah. What's what's the next one? Besides normalizing things, what, what's next? Yeah. The next part is, and this is specifically to work against the negative tropes of queerness in um, many popular media um, in of the last several decades don't demonize people for being queer right mm -hmm. if you only have one queer person in your story they're not the bad guy right do not make them the bad guy yeah that's not good um if everyone is queer and the bad guy is too because everyone is just queer okay that's fine no problem Right. Exactly. And I will say for our purposes, again, the default for this entire setting and every single person that I've en encountered is some form of queer um, is the um, main representative of Kronos also queer. Yes, she absolutely is. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, but but so is everyone else. Right. But we also work from an assumption and we built it specifically. And this is part of what makes it interesting that um, that I should be able to as my awesome James Bond spy type. Right. Like my seduction stat and my combat stat are like the same. Right. I am right. just as good at both. I can fight my way out or I can kiss my way out. Um, and I would rather kiss my way out if I can. So part of it is there's never a character that I can't seduce. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and the thing like with Kronos is like, look, um, they're, they're, a lot of them are queer. I, I'm going to, not all of them, but a lot of them are queer, but, and they are the bad guys, but also at the same time, we then went and made everybody else in also Paris queer. also queer. So, queer. so now we don't have this like evil queer organization. Yes. And like then like fighting those, this straight, yeah, you know, oof, I wouldn't, I mean, straight up, I wouldn't straight up. Haha. I wouldn't have played tell that me. game. <laughs> so you and me. Sorry, I'm doing straight up. Okay. Like, I was okay. doing Paula Abdul. Okay, okay, uh, okay, okay. But 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 I I wouldn't have played the game you just described. Oh, that makes no, no, me no. feel icky, right? No, 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 yeah. no. We said we want this whole setting to be queer. How can we justify that it is? Okay, here's how it happened. Yeah, exactly. Or like you can work backwards to justify the full queerness if you need to justify it. Like we which we kind of yeah. did because we're like sort of playing in a historical, you know, whatever. Anyway, move exactly. right along. Next. Yeah. So the next one is let, let the queer people be happy. Yeah. Um, you know, the queer experience is not devoid of struggle um, and, and difficulties, but not every queer story has to be about struggle and difficulties. Right. Um, there are plenty of room for stories that should be happy. Um, like where people celebrate joy, like just, good things happen to queer characters, right? Yeah, I'm going to mention a game that is actually not Long Live the Queen for this, which sure. is um, When Rachel's Yes, um, which mm-hmm. is basically a scene structure game. The A, I love it. Um, B, it is in the um, love and... Whew, what is justice? No, 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 no. That's my game. That's why I can never remember oh. the name of the book because I'm like love Damn and justice. It. It's not that uh, love and whoo, resistance. Resistance. Yes. Thank you. I was like, it yes. is in the love and resistance anthology. So if you're looking for it, cause I know lots of people, every time I bring it up, they're like, how do I find a game named? Yes. It's impossible from a metadata search perspective, right? It is in the love and resistance game anthology. Um, so if you want to check it out that, but it is essentially for creating Hallmark, um, Hallmark romance movies style stories that are specifically queer and gender inclusive, right? Like that's the whole point. Um, and I love that game so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I have played it so much. And it basically lets you take a lot of the tropes of storytelling that we have been subjected to for a very long time and specifically make them queer. And it's amazing. And always, and this is a key part of the game, there will be a happy ending. And that is sort of the key purpose of the game is to show queer romance and then give it a happy ending. It's the best part. It is the best part. Anyway, uh, yeah, next. go on. Uh, the next one. Um, you don't have to draw attention to your queer characters as being special or diverse, right? Like this is back to normalizing people. You don't have to announce that a character is queer. You can make a different passing reference that makes it clear that they are, right? Um, so when I met a, a character and they were my girlfriend's ex-girlfriend, right? Like you don't have to tell me they're queer. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You can just, you can do it through inference. Right. Like that. And that's a really easy way to do it. Or it can be the like, you know, oh, hey, my girlfriend or hey, my partner, um, whatever it is. Partners. Right. Um, Oh, sorry. I have to get back to my partners for dinner. Right. Like that's all you need to say. And you've just made, you just made them completely queer. Right. Like. (laughs) 
Exactly. <laughs> like super easy. Um, and, and that's just the, it doesn't have to be forced. It doesn't have to be announced. Um, but you can say it as part of the things that they are doing or thinking or acting on. Um, and, uh, and then they're, they're queer. Yeah. 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 I, I try to do a, um, I try very hard not to just say something like, oh, this character's gay. Right. Like I almost never, Never, right. I almost never say that. Right. It's always either something they say or their partner comes up like something, something, um, show not tell, right? Like just simple show, simple show, not tell, just find a way to show it. Um, but also you don't have to, you know, don't like, Oh, they're, you know, Oh, a person comes up to them. They're male and kisses them on the cheek. <gasps> like, right. Yeah. Just, I mean, just again, however you would describe it for straight people, describe just describe it for, it for, for queer people. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, lastly, if you're doing any of the negative elements, make them intentional, not accidental. Right. Yes. Um, so again, most of our media references are heteronormative. Um, so it can be some work to kind of uh, shed those assumptions and some of those tropes as part of our storytelling. But if you want to do the negative stuff, and like I said, there's definitely room for it in certain games, as long as you have set yourself up for it, had your session zero discussion, your safety tools and all of that, it's fine. But if you're just doing, you know, if you're just in the middle of stuff, like you, like don't do the negative elements as accidents it, it, like you don't do it accidentally because you didn't think it through i think is yeah, yeah. and if you want to do like a very special episode like let's say you're doing your escapism game and you want to do a thing about prejudice like that's a thing like don't surprise anyone with that at the table that's a perfect time to have a talk with the player or players whose characters are going to be affected by it and be like hey would you be okay if we did this kind of story in a future session or even during session zero ask that question when you're calibrating your campaign and maybe the answer is yes because maybe they want to do it as a change of pace or as a point to make in a story right like where you can have a kind of a exception to the rule kind of you know set of um set of uh sessions or maybe they'll be like nope totally fine not having to engage in that in my you know queer fantasy game of you know um hot you know hot gay elves kissing right you know maybe setting yes just make sure that everybody's <laughs> on board for for that yeah which I will say one more thing about this. Um, again, we're speaking from our perspective, and it is definitely a, your and my preference both, I think, to play with the the happy parts of, of queerness in our games. Um, and I think the one thing that we don't want to do is imply that um, some of those less fun <laughs> um, elements are not part of the queer experience because they absolutely are, right? And that's why we're talking about them. It's just you don't want to surprise anyone with, with that at the table if that's not what they signed up for. Right. And I'll say this before the pandemic, when we were playing a lot more emotional games, there are some, um, there's some queer culture and like heavier, like more serious and sadder queer culture, um, that, um, that I, would have liked to have played like I can't think of a game particular like I can't think of a specific game um but based on my age and based on my previous work experience because I used to do work in AIDS research um I have always had an interest in the history of um the early days of AIDS and AIDS activism and things like that like I like 
I have tangentially um, been part of that in some of the work I did in my previous career and some of the people that I've met. Um, and in my in years ago, again, before pandemic, if somebody had shown me a game that was set in that time period, I think I would have probably had a pretty big interest in playing in playing it for the reasons of it being, um, you know, emotionally heavy and all of those things. Where I am today is that my game is my gaming is very much escapism. Yeah. Right. So I don't want those negative things creeping into my escapism, like you said, by accident. Yes. Uh, if they if we're going to do a thing, let's do let's it. be clear about it and do it. Yeah. But don't just like, oh, um, you got a seven, like, oh, you got a six minus. Cool. Some bigots show up. Yeah. Ew. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, exactly. Ew. If, gross. If you're going like, to play the price of coal, like play the price of coal. Don't yes. like be like, this is a really exciting, happy union forming game. But here come the union busters. Like, no. I exactly. Right. <laughs> I think that's the point we're trying to make here is like, if you're going to do it, be explicit about it, set up your safety tools, set up your boundaries and all that. Um, that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. We okay with that? Yeah, I think so. Oh, we're going to so go kind of long, but yeah. It's okay. It's a good topic. Um, so let me be clear. In um in uh Long Live the Queen, right? Uh we don't have any negative elements. Yeah, we, there hasn't been we have like we've not chosen we've just, to engage. We've with just them. chosen to just not like yes. have those in our game. Yes. Um and, and we're okay with that. And um we have a lot of stuff about happy. Yep. Like we have a um actually a very lovely um, queer romance in that game. I know I have a, I, I have a pretty long-term girlfriend who is yes. just, uh, she's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would, like, I, she, I would date that one in real life. Yeah. Yeah. And actually like one of the things we did because of like, you talked about the nature of the game of you like um, seducing people and things like that. Uh, one of the things we did early on was when we realized that um, Margot's her name was about to become kind of a girlfriend yeah, character. We were commitment. like, oh, we need to have a talk. Yeah, about Polly um, M and how we're about, managing yeah, that. Yeah. Like, how are we going to manage that? Are we cool with it? And we like made we didn't tweak anything. We just quickly had a discussion about it. And we we're like, yeah, like you and Margot are like you and Margot are definitely dating, but it's not exclusive. And um culturally it's not a problem if you sleep with someone else or she sleeps with someone else or anything like that like yeah, it's not it's just not an issue yeah, we just we just implemented essentially um also blanket polyam culture right like yes. <laughs> we just did we we're like oh let's just add that to pan right like as, yeah like oh this will just make things a lot easier yeah let's just 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 make this the assumption because the thing we didn't want to get into was like what if you had to seduce someone as part of a mission now? Are you cheating on Margot? Right. I don't want to like, cheat on her. Like, I really like right. her. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I don't so want we to have just to like, hide oh. it from her or anything, right? Like, so we're just, we're not. We we're just, like, cool. Just, let's just not have those problems by adjusting, like, just a tweak to our setting. Again, injecting now polyam in with our queerness to, like, let that uh, work. Yeah. And it's perfect. And again, it, it, it stuck with the let them be happy and... Um, and I guess the last part, like the don't demonize them, um, because of our kind of pan by default rule, like we really don't worry about, um, the sexuality of, um, who's, who the good guys and the bad guys are because Everyone. everybody's, everybody's Everyone. like 
everybody's everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, before we close this out, and we're going to do this a little bit faster to close this out now. Um, Tiffany did specifically ask about one shots and campaigns. Yes. And we do not like to disappoint. No. So we're going to just give a few tips on one shots and campaigns. Yes, this is like old um, school right here. You give the one shot ones, yep. right? And I'll give the campaign it's ones. It's been a while. It has been, it has a, been a bit, right? Been a bit. Second. Um, good. But in the brief one shots, the thing about them always is that they are, you know, working within a very concise time period. So you got to be able to um, kind of keep things a little bit more surface level in general so that you can just nail the basic culture stuff across the board and fit everything in in your two hour, four hour, six hour slot, whatever it looks like, right? Um, so a couple of things that I tend to key on is just diverse attraction and romance of characters and genders, um, of course. Um, and hopefully if you're lucky, you will also get that back from your players, right? So that it's not just NPCs, that it's like everybody, because then it's the best. Um, pull in some simple cultural elements, right? Things that are easy to describe, clear, and don't require deep investigation by the players to reveal or see. Um, so kind of surface high notes, right? Like just, you know, moments of the, the triad, walking down the street with their baby carriage, right? Whatever it is, just toss it in. Doesn't have to be like super deep stuff. Um, just enough that you get that sense and that you get it clearly, mm -hmm. right, in a short period of time. And then um, in the same way that we like to keep plots much more streamlined for one-shots, if you keep the themes more streamlined also, a, it's easier to write stories and plots that end up revolving around those themes. Um, but also, again, it gives you time to um, spend real time with those themes during your one shot instead of having to skim past like a bunch of them and then maybe not have time to like really feel them. Um, so some good ones for one shots tend to be things like found family, which is just, again, always one of my favorites. And also check out our traveling home if you haven't checked it out already and want a game that is a one shot about fan family. It's amazing. And also Howl's Moving Castle. Anyway, um, and uh, acceptance is another really good one, right? Like you can have a nice, succinct um, short story one shot that is about acceptance, um, finding it, living it, whatever that looks like, right? Mm -hmm. Those are two of the ones that I really like for um, themes. How would you do some of that stuff differently in campaigns? Well, I don't think it's necessarily differently, right? I think it's yeah. like just a little bit more. Yes. Um, so again, with campaigns, like have diverse queer characters, right? Because you're going to have a lot of characters, right? So you got plenty of time to uh, add all sorts of diversity, right? Just you got, you're going to have a lot of characters and a lot of time. So, you know, queer that shit up. Um, but now the other thing you have for campaigns is you have time to do some world building. Yeah, some deep world building, right? Yeah. So now if you're doing, if you want to put queerness into your game, now you can do it in your world building and take the time to kind of work through what we were talking about before, which is, you know, the large and small changes um, in your world based on the changes you want to make. So this is like in Long Live the Queen, the king and the queen both like queer pan kings a little bit more gay um and like what has that changed about how they function as monarchs and yeah. like the end result is the king just throws these giant gay parties <laughs> right it, like yeah 
Yeah. And I mean, and not to simplify that, make the king seem like a stereotype. The other part of this is that, um, and this is the part. So I'll explain a little now because I don't want, I don't want there to be any stereotypes. It's okay. The king has taken this whole Kronos thing as like, this is great. Like these people are here with technology and medicine and social like constructs to solve all our problems. We basically can now just hang out and party because we have modern weapons. We don't have to fear any other. Um, yeah, we don't have to fear anyone else on this planet. Now armed. We have medicine. We have like, you know, people are prosperous and all this stuff. The queen, on the other hand, does not believe that Kronos is here for benevolent reasons. And that's where the actual characters come from because the queen has started her own group of spies because she does not trust. As she um, should not. Correct. Yeah. So, so is there like, I want to like, is there a little stereotyping in with the king? Yes. But also if you've ever seen pretty much any other musketeer um, yes. movie. Yeah. He he is sort <laughs> you, of a walking stereotype of one type or another, right? Like he's always been, I, I always think that, that, that like the movie Queen Lu- Louis tend to be um, queer coded. They, yeah, um, they are. They are. Yes, in some, in some fashion. Very frequently. And then in our game, um, we just took the restraints off of it and just let Louis be gay. Yeah. Um, All the way. In. So, yep. Although like you just full in. Yes. So anyway, but yeah, Louis like tends to throw a lot of parties because Louis doesn't have a lot of work to do. No. And suddenly it's super okay to be gay. So Louis like Louis living his best life right now he in the really, palace. really, really is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, again, um, challenge those preconceptions right challenge those preconceptions why why do people get married in your games yeah why do they get married to opposite gender people like like take a poke at all of them when you're creating your world now if you are doing in terms of genre if you're doing fantasy and sci-fi you have a blank canvas like go wild like you don't have any preconceptions because you're far enough in the future that it doesn't matter or you're like in some fantasy world where none of that stuff um needs to exist anyway think about it who wrote the foundations of our um the foundations of our fantasy culture right a lot of straight dudes a lot Therefore, of straight a lot of, white dudes able-bodied exactly. so, white straight dudes yes yeah so a lot of our base can, like assumptions our base tropes and things like that fall into that old media challenge all of it man kick that shit over like come up with some other stuff like all your dwarves are poly mm-hmm. like they just live in like they just like live in like you know big underground houses like one giant family whatever man like do it up like challenge every notion because you have a blank canvas in those two now if you're doing modern or historical um you have to deal with the realities of the world, right? Especially if you're, you know, either one of those. Um, so there's a couple of ways you can deal with it, right? And when I say the realities, I mean the actual prejudices of history, the actual prejudices of the modern world. So the first thing you can do is just fuck it off, right? Just ignore it. Like, boom, we're just not doing prejudice and just fiat the shit out of your game. Like, it's not that it doesn't exist. It's just not going to be part of your game. We just, we just don't want to play it. 
Correct. In some way, that's exactly what we did with Long Live the Queen was we just I was like, well, cool. Kronos just makes everybody accept this, because if you want antibiotics and indoor plumbing and, you know, high powered weapons, like you're just going to get on board with the social agenda. And everybody does because, you know, power and capitalism sucks. And yeah, not cap- I guess I mean, capitalism, it is kind yeah. of capitalism, but yeah. yeah. And, um, and to be clear, and interestingly enough, there's definitely prejudice in some other parts of the world, but it's not yes. something that my character is really going to ever end up directly dealing with. Yeah. On a character and I think level. The other, yeah. I think the other thing we said in our session zero was that prejudice would be, Oh no, I'm sorry. I just missed, I just mistook that for, um, Ditch lilies. In oh, ditch lilies, yeah. <laughs> we don't deal with prejudice as um, hatred. Prejudice is just you haven't learned yet. Yeah. And then you it, tell the story of how someone learns, right? Yeah. Like, and then like when they learn, they become like enlightened and then they like they're fine. Yeah. They're no longer prejudiced. Yeah. That's the thing about ditch lilies. And that has a lot to do with the fact that it's um, supposed to be emulating a um, TV show. Yes. Yep. So there's always so, there's always a story of learning and then a moral to the story afterwards. Yeah. yeah. So for your modern or historical, right, you can choose to just ignore the prejudice as a fiat. Um, or if you're not going to do that, create a safe space, a, a place of acceptance within the game where characters can thrive and feel safe. Like um, it's going to be not a lot of fun for queer characters if they live in a world where they're just constantly under prejudice or whatever, if they don't have someplace um, safe to go to get to be queer. Yeah. Right. And if you pay attention to any queer history, that stuff has happened all like throughout history. Over and over and over. Yeah. Even today, there are places like there are places to go when one, you know, wants to be queer and safe. Um, So Make that space in your game, make it a part of the campaign so that the players can go out to the world and do whatever, but can also come back and have scenes in that safe space. Yeah. Okay. Um, and again, if you're going to do prejudice, um, again, be intentional, be safe, set your boundaries, have your safety tools, um, you know, all of those things. Like, get that worked out um, in advance. And again, like we've said, our preference is just not to deal with it right now. But if you want to put it in for whatever reason, do your work to make sure it's safe. Yeah. Go listen to our episode on safety tools. I don't sure. remember which one it is. We probably should have marked it for this episode, but but we didn't. But that would be uh, one one potential resource. The internet has many. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's our take on queerness. Um, Again, by no means experts, uh, but um, definitely um, two queer folk running a queer game. Yeah. So we know a little something. I play lots of queer games. All my games are queer. Yes. (laughs) You do. I actually don't. I play... um, I, I play a lot of, I mean, look, I, I'm a queer game master. All my games have some flavor of queer in them now, like snuck in one way or the other. Yeah, um, my games are pretty blatantly queer across the board yes. because even yes. though we frequently play games with no GMs, like we have, you know, we got our one straight guy. So by default, yeah. just a lot of things are queer and we don't think about it all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Good times. Cool. cool. We should wrap all this right. puppy up. Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, so yes, let's do that. Um, I think, I don't know if we need to put a summary on it. We, we talked about a lot of stuff. Um, 
just, you know, work in those themes, work them intentionally. Um, and uh, yeah, just uh, follow the advice we gave you and you'll make your game a little queer. Yay. Cool. In order for us to uh, close this show out, we do have to talk about another show on the network. Senda, which show we're going to talk about? Um, well, on Bonus Experience, you can hear Monica and her friends explore gameplay and design through the lens of diversity, while also sharing some of the dumbest humor that gaming has to offer. Hooray! Yeah. Say, so, Senda, where do people find us on the internet? <sighs> it used to be so easy when you asked me this question and it's gotten so much harder. You can still find us on Twitter, but we check it a lot less often. It's at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on TikTok now, also at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us each individually on Mastodon on the dice.camp server at Idella Mithland and at DNA Phil. Um, if you have a blue sky invite code and you want to make us bestest friends ever, uh, just, just send that along and then we'll be there too. Um, if you don't like any of those places, you can always hit us up on the forums, which is forums.misdirectedmark.com. Um, or you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once they find us somewhere, what can they do with that information? Yeah, you should, like Tiffany did, send us a question, a topic, something you are interested in. Let us know um, or ask us to draw upon our experiences, uh, our many years of play, our years of giving advice, allow us to draw on all of that to help you with your games. Uh, we're here to make you have more better fun games. And um, that's what we like to do. We like to share what we know to do that. Um, the formula is quite simple. The more fun you have when uh, you are running your games, then uh, the more games you will run the more times you will play, the more people you'll play with, the more different types of games you'll play with, or maybe the same game, whatever. Uh, but you'll be in this hobby for a lot longer. And that is our goal is to keep you in this hobby having fun. So do that. Send us those questions, those topics, and those queries. Queries. See what I did queries, there? Queries. 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 <laughs> <laughs> anyway... <laughs> If you like our advice or just our shitty, bad humor, wow. um, you can support us on Patreon. And after that joke, I understand if you don't want it. Um, you support us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons get access to our Slack room for life. Uh, we do, by the way, have a queer love channel. Yeah, we do. If you're not um, in it and you want to be, you just got to go look for it. Yes. I will tell you that there is just a whole lot of memes in there. They're good memes. Um, they are funny They're good memes. memes, Bob. Yeah, they are. They are quite funny memes, but um, the queer community on the uh, server has a lot of um, funny jokes. Um, not that you can't talk about serious stuff. You absolutely can. If you put anything in there, people will absolutely reply. But when people aren't replying to stuff, There's they just drop in memes. a lot of funny memes. Yeah. Anyway, that's not the only channel we have on our Slack. We have obviously talk about many different topics, many of them being role playing, but also about the shows and things like that. You can come hang out with us on Fridays for our lunch chat, which is sometimes about gaming stuff. And sometimes it's just us about life. Um, it depends. Um, depends on the week. And um Patrons get access to other stuff like our Children to Shroud material, as well as um, our backlog of um, episodes and uh, design stuff, all depending on which uh, level you back at. Go check out the Patreon site for the details for that. If you are backing our Patreon, we thank you very much. And if you're unable to back it, we understand completely. There's a thing you can do uses a little bit of your precious time. 
I did it this week. You did? Um, I did it this week because, I, well, go ahead and say what it is, and then I'll tell you I, I did it. Well, you could leave us a rating or review on the podcatcher of your choice or Apple Podcasts. Not that part. Not that part. Um, Not that part. Or um, you can you can tell somebody about us, right? If somebody's out. Oh, I did see that. You're right. Um, <laughs> if somebody's out on your social media of choice, whatever flavor that is taking these days, um, and they're looking for an RPG podcast and we fit the bill and you like us, let them know. Maybe they will be a new listener. Um, and we know that some of you have been the direct beneficiaries of previous people directing you to us. So we really appreciate those too. Um, thank you so much to everybody who has both recommended us, left a review, left some stars, whatever it is. We appreciate all of you. Yeah, indeed we do. Uh, yeah, I did it this week. Somebody on Twitter was like, I've run through my stuff. Is there any other like RPG things that aren't like APs like or whatever? And I was like, oh, oh, hi, oh, oh. Hi, <laughs> hi, hi, hello there. Hi, hello. I yes, did put a hi. disclaimer. I was like, disclaimer, I am co-host on these shows. Yeah, like I like, put up both Mr. Oh, hi, Mark hello, and, hello. Yes, hello. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> yeah. Just so anyway, um, cool. Uh, say Senda. Hmm. Um, we do need to actually talk about what the next mission for uh, Long Live the Queen should be. We should figure out what kind of theme, just the theme of just the mission. The theme? Are we not going back yeah. to England yet? Because I'm kind of excited to go back to England. That, that oh, was, we could talk about going back was, to England. That was an intense, almost didn't get out of their experience last time. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Hello. Hello. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Happy belated birthday. Oh, happy birthday to Ryan. Happy yeah. birthday to Ryan. Um, we're recording this today after their birthday, but they're not going to see it till tomorrow, which will be two days after their birthday. But anyway, happy birthday, Ryan. Woo-hoo. Happy birthday to Ryan. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Okay. Bloop. Let's do the Ryan good. stuff. Okay. Yeah, let's get uh sorry Ryan, we're um we're recording we're on a, on a Sunday afternoon and I'm heading out to dinner at uh in a mere one hour and forty five minutes, which should be more than enough for the show, should be. but should be you you know, think. I mean we don't like to as, chance these things. As long as it's not the beefness, should Correct. be plenty of time. But I don't want to make anybody else edit something like the beefness. Seriously, if we ever have a beefness episode, we can't I'm, we won't we would I'm not have Ryan edit it. Yeah, yeah, like that would just be cruelty. Like that's not that would be fair. on us. I'm yeah. not paying you enough. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Bloop. Editor's note, Phil Senda, please let me edit a beefness episode. Oh my gosh, I would I would pay you for the for the pleasure of attempting to navigate that. Anyway, back to the outtakes. Bloop. Nobody should have to. Nobody <laughs> no should have to edit have that to kind of garbage. <laughs> All right, here we go. Bloop. I was practicing one of my old belly dancing moves to while sitting count in the, the chair. Time. Yeah. See? I thought you were doing, if you put your hands over your head, you'd have been like the Christina Aguilera genie in a bottle. Oh, well, she stole that move. Well, I'm, I don't think she stole it. I, I mean, she think did she, a was, move that is like a belly, it's a belly dancing, listen, iso- muscular isolation move. I remember. <laughs> 
I have a vivid memory of that video. I'm Thank just you. saying, okay, but I could do some tummy rolls while I'm sitting here. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> just ate lunch. Um, <laughs> Why don't we do a show? Maybe that would be a good use of our time. What? Hang on, I have an itch. Eh, eh, eh. Sorry, it was one that required me to move. Okay. No, it's fine. They just made me itch. <laughs> Goodness. I know there's a reason why we don't record in the afternoons. I know. This is why. Because it ends up sounding like a bee show for no reason. Do you remember when we used to do it? Yes. All right. Come on. Let's get ourselves together. Come on. <laughs> All right. Come on. Professional. Need like a splash of cold water in the face here. Okay. Professional. Ooh. All right. We didn't talk about gay wrath at all. <laughs> uh, it's not the topic of the show. It's okay. not. It's not. Show me what you got. 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 Show me what you got.